exciting. We've been talking about living in the presence. Uh, <clears throat> and today we actually went through with the, with the songs and decided that to focus on the presence of God. And um, I want to just continue this series probably this week, next week. And, but how many of you know we could teach for the rest of eternity on the presence of God? Uh, just because we're, we, we'll end ours. Um, but we want to just keep moving forward. Last week we looked at uh, of the practice of the presence of God and the different things that we can do as we just practice getting into his presence. And I know that sounds funny. Well, how do you practice the presence of God? Well, you practice the presence of God by being aware and doing things that causes you to become more aware of, of his presence in our life. And, uh, and it, it's about knowing his nearness, knowing, you know, his, knowing how close he is. That's why I love that song, Abba. Uh, I love that, you know, it talks about closer than the skin on my bones. You know, that's how close God is to us. But so many times in life, we forget that. You know, we, we sometimes act like he's not even around, or he, he's not there, and, and so prayer becomes this thing of, let me throw something up into the sky and hope it makes it. Well, you don't have to throw a, a words up into the sky. You can know that God hears you when you pray, when you understand that you're always in his presence. Let's go, if you will, to John chapter 15. I want to start there today. In John chapter 15, verse... Uh, three and four from the Passion Translation. Look at this. This is some interesting words. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. Could try that again over here. The words, Jesus told them, that I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. Somebody say already cleansed. See, that's what God has done for us. That's what living in his presence does. It, it, it cleanses. He says there, he says, for the words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Look at verse 4. So you must remain in life union with me. So what does that mean? That means there's something to do on my part. If his words have already cleansed me, then what do I do? My hardest job, the hardest part about this relationship, you know, we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. Uh, and the hardest part, we talked so much about just, you know, what we do and how we do and just being in God's presence. I love this. The hardest part that God gave us to do is to remain in a relationship with him. How hard is that? Just to stay in relationship. Just to say, you know what? I choose you, so me and you forever. That's how hard this is. He's, why? He said, because the words I've spoken have already cleansed you, but your job now is to remain in life union with me. For I remain where? In life union with you. So my part is to stay close to the one who's decided that he'd never leave me or forsake me. How hard is this, folks? People tell me all the time, I just can't live a Christian life. It's too hard. It's not hard at all. It, it's not hard at all. He said, you stay close to me because I'm going to stay close to you. And as long as we do this, there's no, there, there's, all, I have to, all I have to do is stand here. 
There's no work to do. There's, there's nothing. All I have to do is right here. Just be real close. <laughs> he said, so remain in life union with me as I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine. Now let me give you some prophetic stuff that happens here that I didn't know about. Okay? Reese back there does not know what I didn't know I was preaching today. Didn't know what my opening scripture was going to be. Now you say, well, so who cares? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. Over the past several weeks, do you know that the colors in this room mean something? I didn't know this. It's, it, it, he's been setting the colors on the walls based on what the Spirit's telling him. And you know what it was today? He asked me, he said, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, son. If I am, you'll get over it. <laughs> 20 years old, being a pastor's kid, he's used to it by now. I, he said, is green and yellow okay? I said, you know why? He said, because it's to do with the vine. Last week when we were talking about the practice of his presence, I don't know if you noticed, it was red and purple. He said, that was the wine. <laughs> He's back here playing with me now. When we talk about being in the presence of God, being in the wine, and he said this week, he said, he said I just feel like it's part of the vine. Go back to verse 4. He said, and if you remain in life union with me, for I will remain in life union with you, for as a branch severed from the vine is fruitless or will not bear fruit, so your life separated is fruitless if you live your life. Oh, let me go back here. For as the branch is severed from the vine, it will not bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined with me. How many of you want to have a fruitful life? Okay, then here's the hardest part. The hardest thing you have to do to live this fruitful life is to snuggle up real close to your heavenly father, to get right up in all up in his business, let him love on you and become what he has promised that he would be, your father. He said, if you want to live a fruitless life, go ahead, try to do it your way. But if your life, you want your life to be fruitful, come over here and live in my presence. Now, if you don't want to live in my presence, that's fine. But don't expect your, your life to produce much. But when you make that decision to live in my presence, to just get right up in here and, and stay connected with me, he said, I will make your life fruitful. Because you are connected to the vine. And it, excuse me, in the vine is life. And so last week we talked about how we're practicing his presence and we looked at Isaiah 30, 15. This is how we remain in him. By returning to him, repentance, changing of our mind. By resting in him. Man, he has made salvation so hard. So hard. Come to me, all you that labor, and you'll find rest. Man, that's a hard thing to do. He said, by resting in him, we looked at last week. By, by, uh, by developing our relationship, by getting quiet. 
by letting peace reign, by having complete trust and confidence. And when we cling to him and we live in him, then he says, I will make your life fruitful. Man, this is a, this is a good life. Brother Lawrence said this. I told you you'll hear a lot from Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence said this. He says, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied outside the practice of the presence of God. Of getting quiet and resting and quit doing all the striving where you're trying to do it all but realizing you are connected to the vine and in the vine is life and the life of the vine will produce good fruit in your life. He says, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. Listen to what he says. He says, for my part, I keep myself retired with him in the depth of of the center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am so with him, I fear nothing. And while I'm connected, I fear nothing. But the least turning from him is insupportable. Last week we talked about practicing the presence of God. Today I want to minister to you for just a few minutes on responding to the presence of God. Because it's one thing, we talked, that, we talked about that a little bit yesterday, Kevin. It's one thing to know I'm in the presence of God, but it's another thing to respond to that. And, and uh, we talked about how sometimes we have this difficulty of responding to his presence. Okay, what do I do? We get in his presence and, and everything's all nice and quiet. And you can tell this is when people usually get uncomfortable. When there's not a whole lot going on. Like, what do we do here? How about we just relax? Just say, Okay. Doesn't have to be a whole lot of hoopla. Doesn't have to be a whole lot of noise. Let's just see. I'm telling you, get excited about what's coming in March. When we do uh, the the whole month is going to be called what? One of y'all's got to answer me here. <laughs> Leading it up and can't remember what they're calling it. It's making. Or, uh, making room for his presence. The whole month, we're going to stop everything and we're going to come in here. <laughs> we're going to come in here for an hour a day. And if you can't be here, that's fine. Stop somewhere during the day. If you can't be here, stop somewhere during the day for at least an hour and put on some music, not worded music. Not music with a lot of words because it's not praise time, it's not prayer time. It's presence time where we just sit and listen. Well, I don't know if I can hear God speak. You hear God speak all the time. You can't help but hear somebody who lives in your house. As much as you would want the other person who lives in your house to shut up, keep looking straight ahead. Don't, don't, Brent, don't give it away. God's not going to do that. And so we're going to take the whole month just to sit and listen to the presence of God. And then in April, at the end of April, we're going to take a whole weekend with some people that's coming in and do a Friday night and a Saturday morning 
session called Your Soul Made Whole about listening to the Father and how that brings healing to your life. Folks, there's, there's big stuff coming. We are going to intentionally get into the presence of God. We're, we're going to intentionally become more aware of the presence of God. So, back to where I was at. I'm excited. Get, 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 part of, uh, get excited about what's going to happen in March because it's all about getting closer. Now, how to respond to the presence of God. I, I'm going to give you two things this week that I think we need to do to respond to the presence of God. And the first thing that should happen in us, Shirley, as we learn to respond to God's presence should be, Sally, praise. Praise should be our first, should be our first response. Well, you know, I don't praise God like you do. Nobody said you had to praise God like me, Dennis. But you need to praise God like you. Well, I don't know if I get into all that. Let me tell you something. The day you close your eyes here and you transition to your next dimension, come on. I guarantee you'll praise him. I guarantee there'll be something that will come out of you. So what this is, you know what this is, Rachel? This is just good practice. Amen? Here is just good practice. So our first response when we're getting into the presence of God, it should bring praise out of us. It should do something to the inside of us. It should make us want to do something. Over this next six months or so, as we're intentionally going deeper into the presence of God, I challenge you, do something in your praise that you may not find yourself normally doing. For some of you, it may be as difficult as lifting your hands. I've never done that in church. I don't want Well, somebody said it yesterday. I can't remember. In, in their men's thing, said, well, you know, we were raised, if you raise them above your waist, it's going to hell anyhow. I have, I have an uncle, a fantastic pastor in Gahanna, Ohio. He, he would tease D. He pastors a Baptist church. And he would tease D when she'd come to his church. Um, because she knew who, how we were. He knew how we were. He'd say, now listen. You, and, and he was joking. He didn't mean this. So let me just make that clear. He would always tell her, he said, now listen. If you raise one hand, you're okay. But if you raise two, we're going to have somebody take you out of here. <laughs> he was joking. He didn't really mean it. Okay. I want to I wanna clarify that. But that's what a lot of us think. We think, well, that's all. That's just emotion. That's all work up. No, that is a response. It's not an emotion. It's a response to the realization that I am in the presence of the one who gave me life. I am in the presence of the one who was and is and is to come. I am in the presence of the vine who, who, who always perpetually pumps life into me. I am in the presence of the one who gives me life and who gives me everything that I have. When we respond to the presence of God, it should respond out of us somehow. To glory. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 13. Nobody always said you had to act like me. But act like some. <laughs> D, 
every time she gets in the presence, when, well, she knows she's in the presence of, all, all, of God all the time. But when she's really in that place, she can't do nothing but cry. Just a big old giant cry baby. That's okay too. That's a response. Amen? See, we got this idea that if people aren't running around and doing flip-flops, then they're not enjoying the presence of God. Sometimes it's just laying down on the floor and just crying like a big old baby. Sometimes you get people who get drunker than a monkey on the presence of God. They can't hardly stand up and they can't quit laughing. That's okay too. Come on. <laughs> uh, who told you how to... What? Uh, we're going to stop. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. From the Amplified Classic, he says it this way. He says, through him... Therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. King James Version says a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So what did he say? Constantly, Glenn. And at all times. But what if things aren't going good in my life? It's still part of all times. You are still, if they, hey, if hell's coming in around you and you're surrounded by it and you don't know where else to look and everywhere you turn your head, there's hell, but I'm going to tell you this, there is God. It just depends on who you want to look at. David said, if I go to the heights of heaven, you're there. If I go to the depths of hell, you're there. So if you're going through hell right now, that's okay. God's still there. Hey, glory to God. That should make somebody excited. He said, let us constantly and at all times offer to God the sacrifices of praise, which is the what? Fruit of our lips. Well, how do you know somebody's praising something's coming out of their mouth? Didn't say you had to shout, although the scripture does say shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on. But if you're going to praise, the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of your lips. That means something's coming out. It's a thank you, Jesus. Hey, hallelujah. One old guy, I heard one pastor tell a story of a guy that got saved, uh, uh, born again in his church, been baptized. When he come up out of the water, all he could say was, hot dog. And people got offended. God doesn't care what you use, words you use to praise him, but that you do. That something is produced out of your lips, you know? <laughs> Which is the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. A life lived in the presence of God is a life that will be filled with praise and declarations of the glory of God of God in that life. It is a life that will be more focused on the presence than on the presence of trouble. Try that again. A life lived in the presence of God will be more focused on the presence of God than on the presence of trouble. So what is our life focused on? What I have, what I don't have, what, what I'm missing, what I'm lacking? Go to Psalms 50. Psalms 50 verse 14 out of the Passion Translation. He says, why don't you bring... Now, this is, this is God talking, Bob. He says, why don't you bring me the sacrifices I desire? Oh, you mean God desires particular sacrifices? 
Bring me your true and sincere thanks. There you go. How hard has God made this? He didn't say go kill a calf, go kill a goat, go kill a pigeon dove, a pigeon dove, a turtle dove. Pigeon dove, what's a pigeon dove? He didn't say go kill a, a, a ram, go kill a sheep. He said bring me the sacrifices I want. The sacrifices of true and sincere thanks. I, I, I'm going to help you out. Because when you step out of your comfort zone and you begin to respond to the presence of God with praise, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's as hard as it gets. You ready? Thank you. Not thought it because praise is the produce of your lips. It's the, it's the, it's the fruit of your lips. It's saying out loud, thank you. How hard? Well, I don't, you know, I don't dance and shake like you do. Nobody said you had to. We, let me tell you, the church has got this completely backward. We want to look at everybody else and determine whether they're in the presence of God, whether they're acting like everyone else or not. He said, why don't you bring me the sacrifices I desire? Bring to me your true and sincere thanks. Man, he's made this easy. He said, and show your gratitude... Mm. by keeping your promises to me the most high show me how grateful you are oh thank you Lord for my house my car he said okay that's good show me how grateful you are by keeping the vows that you've made to me you know those things when we sit back here and say Lord if you get me out of this mess I'll never do that again he said keep me the, keep those vows Stop doing it. Well, I can't help myself. Yes, you can. Oh, oh, come on. Are you with me? Verse 15. Honor me by trusting in me in your day of trouble. This is how hard God has made it. Galen, this is it, man. Say thanks. Keep your vows. And honor me and, and, and trust me in your day of trouble. How much... Mark, how much harder could this be? He said, all you got to do is thank me, keep what you say, and just show me how grateful you are. And in your day of trouble, just trust. This is the hardest part. Jamal, this is it, man. Just trust me. My goodness, folks. You talk about off the hook. You're off the hook. He said, here, I'll do everything. All you have to do is respond to my presence. And you respond to my presence by praise. He said, honor me by trusting me in your day of trouble. Cry aloud to me and I will be there to rescue you. Oh my goodness, folks. What a God, Dave, we serve. That he says, just come to me. Rest in me. Trust me. Say thank you, brother Lawrence says it this I told you every quote you're going to get from me over the next bit is going to come from this man he said we should fix ourselves firmly in the presence of God by conversing all the time with him fix ourselves how do I stay in the presence of God by talking to him all the time and guess what he talks back he talks back. <laughs> mm. 
We should feed our soul with lofty with a lofty conception of God and from that derive great joy in being his. Man, you should derive great joy in being God's. You should, hey, I'm, I'm so settled here. Ain't nothing you can do about it. My life's gonna be fruitful because I'm connected to the vine. We should put life in our faith. Hmm. We should put life in our faith. We should give ourselves utterly to God in pure abandonment. Well, that's not how I do things. You know what abandonment is? It's when you give up the way you would normally do it. If you abandon a car, that means you've walked away from it on the side of the road. He said, we should give ourselves, my whole self to God, in pure, I'm abandoning everything about me, Denise, and I'm walking into the presence of God, and I'm gonna stay right there, and I can say to the world, watch how fruitful I'll be, because I'm connected to the vine. Ooh, glory. He said, in pure abandonment, in temporal and spiritual matters alike and find contentment in doing his will whether it takes us through sufferings or consolations so one of the first things to respond how we're going to respond to the presence of God is going to be something coming out of our mouth well what is that thank you Lord praise you Lord You've given me so much, just thank you. He said, bring me the sacrifices I desire. Isn't that what he said? Your true and sincere thanks. That's, it's not that hard. If I walked up to you and gave you a stick of gum, thank you. You'd say thanks. And then you'd go, do I need it? And that's what you'd be thinking when you walked away. But your response to a gift from me would be the word thanks. What's our response to the creator of the universe, the giver and sustainer of life and everything? When we come into his presence, it should just be thanks. And sometimes it might be a dance and sometimes it might be a shout and sometimes it might be just laying down on the floor. I've laid on the floor for hours just in the presence of God, couldn't move. I told you last week or week before, I laid right here one time for about two hours and didn't move a muscle. The preacher was walking over top of me. trying. Actually, I think they told me uh, that he used me as an example for something, I don't know. There's no right and wrong way to do this, but do something. The second response that I want to share with you today, now there are other responses, but the second response that I want to share with you today about getting into the presence of God and remaining or being aware of the presence of God. I hate to use the term, it's just such an old term, it, you just, it just comes out of getting in the presence of God because we know we're always in the presence of God. We've already seen that, all right? So when I say getting in the presence of God, I really just mean becoming aware of the presence of God, okay? The second thing that should happen is our thinking should take a drastic change. Our thought life should change in the presence of God. See, we gotta understand that if our, as our thinking goes, so our believing goes. And as our believing goes, 
So our confession that comes out of our mouth goes. And as the words that come out of our mouth goes, so goes your life. God is a creative force. He spoke everything into existence. Except man. He created man with his hands and then he breathed his same breath into man. And the word says, we, we, we read it in the King James, that the word says that man became a, a living soul. In the ancient writings, it read more like man became a speaking spirit. Why? He made him just like him. God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make them like us. And if they spoke everything into existence, guess what you do? Your words will create your reality. Oh, glory. Your words will create your reality. Now, your words may not create her reality. So you can speak positive over her all day long, but you know who ultimately is in charge? Well, we spoke over her, we spoke over her, we spoke over her. Why did that still happen to her? Because ultimately she's in charge of her own reality. You're in charge of your own kingdom. See, a lot of, a lot of us get frustrated in this and we think that we have the right to speak in somebody else's life and it happened for them. But you don't know what they're speaking behind your back. Come on. You don't know what's going on with them. And so what happens is we get frustrated with faith because we say, well, we believed for so-and-so and we believed for so-and-so and it didn't happen. But what did so-and-so believe for themselves? Come on, don't get quiet now. See, if I could go around here, oh, if I could go around here and speak over Shirley everything that I want for Shirley, then I'm actually manipulating her. And I've taken her will out of this picture. Come on, you're getting free stuff now. Now she says, listen, I'm believing for this and I need you to believe with me. I said, okay, here we go. We're going to stand together. And we pray. I walk away going, I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing that to her. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing that for Shirley. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing something great for Shirley. And she goes behind me and goes, I don't know if that worked or not. I don't know, God. I don't know if this, even, if this is even your will, God. I guess I'm just destined to be this way the rest of my life. I'm just destined to die. Guess what? My prayer over her meant nothing. Because she is ultimately in charge of the garden God's put her in. Oh, come on. As your thinking goes, your believing goes. As your believing goes, your confession goes. As your confession goes, your life goes. Come on. And that's why we see things happen and we look, well, we were praying hard. Yeah, but ultimately I can't force any, I can't come into your house and force anything on you. Linda had run me plumb out of her house. You're going to take this pink salmon colored couch and you're going to like it. Well, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. And I put it in her house. 
And I leave, what does she do? She calls Kevin and Wayne and says, boys, get this out of my house. Same thing. It's the exact same thing. Okay, wanted just to hit that for you. Quit blaming God. Oh. Quit blaming God for what other people choose to believe. Come on. We blame God for what other people choose to believe. And we think, well, I guess that, I, we tried it and it didn't work. So I guess it's not real. Moving on. See, changing our thinking. So who am I responsible for? This big guy right here. I'm responsible for her to a degree. To my son. To the degree that they'll let me speak in their life. And I'll agree. But the moment they quit agreeing is the moment we're, we're no longer in agreement. And the word says that two or three are, that are in agreement, they'll have anything to ask for. But if they're not in agreement, come on. Okay, moving on. The word thinking, it means this. Uh, yeah, bring up thinking. To have the mind occupied on some subject. To muse, to meditate. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. From the NIV, I believe. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. He says, do not let this book of the law depart from thy mouth. I actually, I think this might be the scripture your kids are learning back there today. I think. I don't know. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. That meditation's of the devil. Except God said to do it. <laughs> this book, don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate on it. How long? All day and all night. All day and all night. Let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, everybody say then. Then you will be prosperous and have success. Well, when am I prosperous and having success? When the book, the, the law, when God's words. Now again, we know that God's word is not just only the Bible. He speaks to your spirit too, okay? But the, word, the Bible contains his word. When you take God's word and you meditate day and night and it becomes a part of you, it changes your thinking. Because when you really read the word, it will jack your thinking up. That's why the word's called repentance. It's metanoia. Change your mind. Well, we think we're just supposed to change your mind about sin. No, you're supposed to change your mind about everything. Why do you think he says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. So what mind is supposed to be in me, Glenn? The same mind that was in Christ. Oh, it gets worse. You want to hear the rest of those verses? What is this? Verse 9, Philippians 2, 9. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, now how was we created? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now where's your mind? Let this mind be in you, See, it, all, all it really is about is about living out man's original purpose. And that is to be 
the image and the reflection of God on the earth. Change your thinking about yourself. You're not some lowly sinner saved by grace. I know that hurts our feelings. <laughs> Were you a sinner? Except for Jesus. Okay, come on. You were changed. You became different. You were born. You were means to be made something that never was before. Well, what are you? You're now that same reflection that God created you to be in the beginning. So live it out. It's such a, being in the presence, this should change our mind. If you start getting in the presence of God the way we're talking, I'm telling you, you'll quit thinking of yourself the way you used to think of yourself. You'll stop seeing failure. You'll stop seeing addict. You'll stop seeing drunk. You'll stop seeing all the other things that you've put on yourself and you will see yourself as a son and a daughter of God the way he intended for you to see yourself. Responding. Now, back in Joshua, he said... Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written therein, for then you'll have uh, prosperous, and you'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. What does it mean to meditate? What does it mean? See, y'all didn't even catch that. What does it mean to meditate? Oh. The word meditate there is this. It means a murmuring and soft speech. You are free to talk to yourself. <laughs> what are you talking? You're talking the word of God. You're talking the scriptures. You're talking everything he says about you. You're talking about your glory. You're talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're talking about how he made you the righteousness of God in Christ. You're talking about how he made you to be his divine reflection, his divine image on the earth, and you're talking it over and over and over again. Why? Because you are going to convince that knuckle thing inside of your ear, between your ears, that you are who he says you are. And the only way we can think this way is when we get close we stay in the presence meditate means to murmur or soft speech while in a continual contemplation over a thing I'm just going to constantly think on the word I'm going to constantly think on the words of God on what he says about me on who he says I am and I'm going to talk them out loud I want my own ears to hear. Come on. I don't, want my, I don't want it just to be on the inside. I want my own ears to hear my voice. The speaking spirit speak to change my creation. Mm. Brother Lawrence said this. Think often on God by day and by night in your business and even in your diversions he is always near you and with you leave him not alone see this type of living in the presence of God will change the way you think about everything Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 
Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. This is the hardest thing God gave us to do. Don't be worried. Come on, somebody sing it. This is what he told us, Rachel. Don't be pulled into all the other junk and don't worry about anything. Why? Because you live in the vine. You live in the presence. He said, don't be pulled in different directions and don't worry about a thing. Be saturated in prayer. We already looked at our whole life's prayer. Ooh. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests, not your hopes, not just, oh, I want to see if this works. Oh, dear Jesus. No, these are faith-filled requests. I'm coming before the Father who loves the prosperity of his children. I'm coming before the Father who wants me to triumph in everything I do. I'm coming before the Father who says that he knows the plans he has for me and they are plans to prosper me and not harm me. I can offer faith-filled requests now. Before God, what is it? Overflowing with gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then, God's wonderful peace. So what brings God's wonderful peace? When you change your thinking. When your prayers are not cries of desperation, but they're faith-filled declarations. Woo, come on. When our prayers are no longer cries of desperation, but they are faith-filled declarations. And then, I come before him every day, I'm just talking to him. Every day I'm living this out. I'm telling him every detail of my life, and then, and then, God's wonderful peace that transcends a human understanding will guard your heart and your what? Mind. Through Christ Jesus. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God and doing what? Praising Him always. Man, God has made this really easy for us. So why in the world have we made it hard for everybody else? You want to know the difference between responding to the presence of God and operating in my own self-efforts. I want to do this quickly because I've already preached longer than I thought I was going to. Numbers chapter 13 verse 2. We're going to read through these quickly, folks. Shotguns, what I like to call them. Get ready. Send me the men, send me men that may explore the land of Canaan. Now here's Moses sending out the spies. We know this story. Which I am giving to the children of Israel, of every tribe, their fathers. You will send a man, each of you, one, chief, uh, one a chief among you. Jump to verse 23. And they came to the valley of Eshcol and cut down from there a branch with one cluster of grapes and they carried it between a pole between them and they brought 
some of the pomegranates and the figs. So Moses calls the spies. They send the spies out. The spies find grapes as big as basketballs. That's, that's my interpretation. One cluster they had to put between a pole so two of them can carry it. They're coming back with figs and they're coming back with pomegranates. Verse 26. And they returned and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the assembly of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back the word, and brought back word to them that the entire assembly showed them the fruit of the land. And, the, and to the entire assembly. Now what did they bring back? They showed them the fruit, but they brought back a word. They showed them the fruit, but they brought a word. Verse 27. They reported to him and said, We have come to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Sounds good. Hey, it's everything you said it was. Hey, God, life is exactly like you said, man. I just did it your way. Verse 28. Uh, However, here's the word. However, the people are strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are fortified and very great. And also we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. See, this is where they left living in the presence. And started living in the presence of their trouble. Look at all these big giant grapes. Look at all these pomegranates. Look at all these figs. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, but I see a problem. It didn't matter to them that God had already promised them the land. Isn't it funny how we get in the middle of a promise of God and we still find something wrong with it? Oh, everything's good. It can't be that guy. I'm waiting for the, Steve, I'm waiting for the bottom to fall out of this thing, man. Come on, what are you looking for? Who creates in your life? <laughs> I was doing something last night or this morning. Dee said something. She called me on it. I said, shut up. She said, you just don't like to be called out. I said, you just need to mind your own business. <laughs> Why? Because sometimes we get in the middle of living in the promise of God and we can find that one thing wrong and... <laughs> Milk, honey, yeah, it's all there. Big, big old giant grapes, they're all there. Figs and pomegranates, they're all there. But I see a problem. When are we going to stop looking for a problem in the middle of the promise? Okay. The cities are fortified and very great. And we also saw the children of Anak there. In the, where are we at? Uh, middle of verse 29, aren't we? And the Canaanites dwell there by the sea in the edge of the Jordan. Now look here, verse 30. This is the difference between living in the presence and trying to do it on your own will. Joshua and Caleb understood they were going in with the presence of God. The other ones were going to try to do it on their own will. And when you try to do anything in your own will, you'll always find something wrong with the promise of God. And Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it see this is the attitude of somebody living in the presence of God let's go get it man 
It's ours for the taking. It's ripe. Big giant grapes, nice figs, good pomegranates, milk, honey. Looks good. Let's go. God's already promised it to me. If God has already promised it to me, who am I to worry about the problems that's in my way before I get to the promise? <laughs> For we are able to overcome it. But the men went up and said, we are not able to come against the people because they are stronger than we. See, they were already determined to do this on their own. They were worried about their self-effort. They're stronger than us. We can't overcome them. Well, if you're always worried about your self-effort, the enemy's always going to look stronger than you. But if you're already guaranteed to victory, come on. Verse 32, and they gave the children of Israel a bad word, a bad report. Folks, parents, grandparents, listen to me. The words out of your mouth will affect generations of people. What you speak will affect generations. Young people that's getting ready in your future to have kids, the words you speak will affect generations of your offspring. Because you'll set a mindset in them of what they can and cannot do. You'll set a mindset in them about you, whether you're weak or strong, whether you're healed or whether you're hurt or whole. Come on. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. And the land which they had spied out, saying, The land though which the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now they just told them how many people lived in this land. So how is this a land that devoured its inhabitants when they just told them of all the inhabitants? Because when you're living outside of a, 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 an awareness of the presence of God, everything's going to look bad. Even the land that flows with milk and honey and big giant grapes and pomegranates and figs looked bad to them. They said, oh, I know it's got figs, I know it's got grapes, I know it's got... But it eats its people alive. Come on. <laughs> it devours its inhabitants and the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came from the giants. And in, now, now you, I want you to understand the words here. In whose eyes? In our eyes. It was all in how they looked at themselves. It was the view they had of themselves, not the view. I want to tell you, how do, how do you know this was not the view of, and, the, and, and which came from, and in our eyes, we were like grasshoppers, and so we were in theirs. They made an assumption. You know how I can tell you for sure that the giants did not see them this way? What did they go in to do? They're called the 12 what? Spies. Spies not even supposed to let the enemy know they're there, right? The enemy didn't even know they were in the land or why they were in the land. It was just some more people walking through the land. Come on. 
but because they were thinking they were going to do this on their own self-effort, they said, those people, we're grasshoppers in our, in our own eyes. See, they needed to change their thinking. And so we were in theirs. One last time, Brother Lawrence. A little lifting of the heart suffices. Thank you. A little remembrance of God. An interior act of adoration. Even though made on the march with sword in hand and prayers which short though they may be. See, nobody told you you had to pray long. Well, you all meet for a, a prayer for an hour every week. I don't pray for a full hour. I can. Sometimes I just sit there. Listen. <laughs> he said, and these prayers, short as though they may be, are nevertheless very pleasing to God. Even your little prayers please God. And far from making a soldier lose his courage at the most dangerous occasion, bolster it. Let him then think of God as much as possible so that he will gradually become accustomed to this little but holy exercise. Just let, think on God often and then you become accustomed to his presence. No one will notice it and nothing will be easier than to repeat often during the, the day as these little acts, just the little acts of interior adoration. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have called me, chosen me, set me apart, set me on top. I thank you that I am your son. I thank you, Father, that we have a choice to make right now of whether we are going to be in your presence or not. Whether we're going to live with the realization that we are in your presence or not. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that over this next little bit that they continue to have this open dialogue with you. And we get so close to you that we can't even tell the difference between our own thoughts and your thoughts anymore. We love you, Father. We adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.